It's been a full morning. There's been all sorts of different elements to our service this morning, from Bob inviting us to follow the Lord and to walk deeper with him, to, to Jeff talking about the opportunity uh, to share the gospel with young kids, to Olivia and Jana calling us to prayer, to, to Darren sharing and walking with us through the Lord's Supper and just gathering around the table of Christ fresh. And it is about 8 minutes to 12, and there's no way that I can preach a half-hour sermon that I have prepared. And so I just want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 3. These, not just a passage of Scripture that Peter himself wrote, but we believe that the Scripture was written under the inspiration of God. This passage has its source in God. And so I'm going to mess with my uh, sound guys with Brent a little bit, and I think he's already figured that out, and he's already gone a few verses down, and he's going to just, uh, we're going to just look at this passage together briefly in the few minutes that we have. First Peter 3 verse 1 to 7 says this, in the same way, you wives must accept the authority of your husband's. And then, even if some of them refuse to obey the good news, your godly lies will speak to them without any words. They will be won over by observing your pure and reverent lives. Don't be concerned about the outward beauty of fancy hairstyles, expensive jewelry, or beautiful clothes. You should clothe yourselves instead with the beauty that comes from within, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. This is how the holy women of old made themselves beautiful. They put their trust in God and they accepted the authority of their husbands. For instance, Sarah obeyed her husband Abraham and called him her master. You are her daughters when you do what is right without fear of what your husbands might do. When you do what is right without fear of what your husbands might do. In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of this new life. So treat her as you should so that your prayers will not be hindered. The word of the Lord The God who is holy, holy, holy. The God who tells us that he loves us. The God who invites us to come to Christ as we are without anything standing in the way. He asks us to have and to adopt an attitude of submission towards one another. And man, in our day and age, we don't like that word at all, do we? Submission. Particularly when someone else is trying to tell us who we should submit to. Hupotasso. We'd like to just scratch it out of our Bibles, right? Here it's even used interchangeably, synonymously, with obedience. And yet when I read my scripture and I take this particular passage of scripture and I read scripture in light of scripture, I see that submission is not just something that applies to one person in one specific situation. It applies to all of us in every relationship that we have. We are to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So there's a couple things that that I see in this passage that I just want to draw to your attention in the brief time that we have together. First of all, submission is a law. 
It's a command that God gives us. We can't just pick and choose what we're going to obey and what we're not going to obey. We have to wrestle with this. For those of you who are women in a marriage relationship, I mean, here in 1 Peter, it's specific to a woman who's married to a non-Christian. So can we at least acknowledge that we're, we're looking at that specific application, but we're also applying it more broadly, and we're also applying it more broadly to all of us in all of our relationships. Submission is a law. We chafe at the law, don't we? Ha. How many of you are old enough to remember when seatbelt laws came into place? Some of you youngsters, you don't know this, but we used to just hurtle down the highway in our cars with no seatbelts, no airbags, no nothing. And when the government started telling us that we had to start wearing seatbelts, didn't, didn't we all rebel? Wasn't Even in Christian circles, people were preaching sermons about how I'm never going to wear a seatbelt because the government big brother's out to get me. It's just like, that's how... We feel about this too, right? Oh, it's just a stupid law. And then we go to our Bibles, we go to church on Sunday, and God says, submit. Submit to your government authorities. Scott preached about that a couple weeks ago. Submit to your boss. Submit when life is difficult, when people are being unfair to you. I preached about that two weeks ago. Jesus, who was perfect, submitted not only to his heavenly Father, he submitted to the very ones who would put him on the cross. He's our example. So that's what we begin with. Submission is a law. But I love how Peter goes on and he says, you know what, submission is not just a command, it's also an opportunity. There's something really beautiful that might happen when you Christians start to have this attitude of submission to one another, when you start to put the other person ahead of yourself, when you start to think of yourself as being third, there's this beautiful thing that happens. There's this word or this for, for that they will be won over. They'll be won over. And specifically, it's talking about a, a godly wife whose husband is not yet a believer, and she adopts this attitude of submission towards him, and he is won over. And I think to myself, you know what? That's what we all need, isn't it? Like when, when, when Jeff trains counselors to share the gospel with kids this summer. It's going to be the submission. It's going to be the heart attitude. It's going to be all of these counselors that have put the needs and the wants and the desires of their day campers ahead of themselves. That's what's going to say so much more than the words that they use. That submission. Submission is an opportunity. The third thing I see in this passage is, is that submission is, it's really precious. It's, it's valuable. Like, submission has a value to it that we just can't comprehend. I love, I love Abraham. <laughs> he was a rich man. Did you know Abraham was a rich man? Abraham was a 
stinking rich man. I mean, he left Ur the Chaldees, he left everything behind in order to follow God, and yet God just kept pouring wealth upon wealth, physical wealth, into Abraham's life. In fact, your Bibles say Abraham owned many camels. And it's a crazy thing. If you're a history geek and you want to spend a week looking that up, look up camels in the Levant in the 14th century BCE. Because you know what? Maybe you've watched Big Bang Theory too and you know Sheldon does the same thing, right? He thinks he's going to undo his whole mom's belief in Jesus by pointing out that there were no camels in the promised land in 14th. You know why there were no? Because no one could afford them. Because nobody could afford them. So they don't show up in the archaeological record. But guess what? They were, they were domesticating Bactrian camels in other parts. The parts of the world where Abraham came from. And a camel was a sign that you were incredibly wealthy. So if you have a lot of camels, it's not a sign the Bible's wrong. It's a sign that, that Abraham was rich. Like, like richy, rich, rich, okay? Like, like Bill Gates buying three quarters of the farmland in the American West, Midwest, rich. Like, like Elon Gates just sending his money up into space, rich. That's how rich Abraham was. But here's the thing that I love about this passage. Because all of Abraham's cattle and all of Abraham's sheep and all of Abraham's camels, none of it, that was not his wealth. You know what made Abraham wealthy? Sarah. When Abraham looked at everything he owned, none of it was as valuable to him as the love of his wife, Sarah. And, and Peter talks about that. And he says, that's what you need to think about as being valuable. This attitude of submission that you bring, not only into your marriage relationship, but into all of your relationships. It's beautiful. It's costly. It's rare. It's precious. It is valuable. And then the fourth thing that I see in this passage is that submission is an exhortation. <laughs> it's something that God just kind of says to us, hey, you need to do this. And, and for those of you that are married, now I recognize a lot of you are not married, and I'm hoping that's why when I talk about submission in the brief time that we have, that you've been able to just kind of say, okay, I'm not married right now. Maybe I'm a widower or a widow, widowed person, and, and my, my, I was married, but I'm not anymore. Or, or maybe I'm hoping to get married one day, and, and, uh, and I'm not yet married, and God, why are you taking so long? And maybe there's even some of you that are sitting out there in grief because you've had a relationship end. You've had a marriage that wound up with divorce. And I hope that you can see how what Peter is saying here about submission, it, it, it's not only something great for a marriage, it's something great for every single one of your relationships. It's an exhortation. Let your prayers not be hindered. Ah. We talked about calling each other to prayer. We committed to, to prayer as a church. Darren, I don't know if you guys know this. I don't know if I'm telling tales on him. Darren has just made this area right here holy. He, he's forever, when, when he's not in his office, he's right here praying. And, and 
Did you know that in a world, we don't know what the statistics are, everyone argues about statistics, but we all know because all of us have someone in our life who, whose marriage ended, right? That, and that causes us grief. We, we hate to see that. Last year, I had three people that I performed marriages for whose marriages ended all in one year. And it was, it, was just a, it was just a weird form of grief for me. But if there's one thing that you can do in your marriage that's going to uh, b- develop that deepness in your marriage, develop that mutual submission, it's prayer. Uh, it's just crazy. If you look at the statistics, I, I had them all in my sermon and I don't have time to share them with you. Literally, Divorce rates drop to like less than 1% among couples who are committed to praying together. Couples who pray together, stay together. I had a friend who was a Christian and her husband was not. And so she just committed to praying. And it was really strange because at the end of the night when they went to bed together, she would say, is it okay if I pray? And he's like, yeah, sure. Talk to your invisible sky god, whatever. You know, um... But it was about three or four months into that that one night she was tired and she went to bed and turned off the light and he's like, honey, (laughs) aren't you going to pray for me? (laughs) He wasn't yet a believer. It took about three years for him to become a believer. I just thought how powerful that was. That was the one, the one area of, of, of her life that she, could, that she could actually do something tangible. Couples who pray together stay together. And I think that that's why I think that call to prayer as a church is so important as well. We, we recognize that there's, there's been some strife in our church. There's been some people that have, that have had disagreements with each other. We, we haven't always handled that the best way we can. We haven't necessarily brought Jesus into those moments. And so we're, we're asking, uh, pray. We're asking you to be in prayer. And, and for some of you, you don't have any clue what's going on behind the scenes, and that's fine. Your prayers are what God is going to use. So I want to, I want to thank you for that, and I want to just reiterate the call. It's just so neat to see uh, young women of God who, who, who God is just calling to his throne prayer. So just a brief look at 1 Peter chapter 3. I just want to pull out that submission is a law. Submission is an opportunity. Submission is a valuable. Submission is an exhortation. And if you look at that really closely... Law, opportunity, valuable, exhortation. L, O, V, E. Submission. It's all about love. Thanks. Before we go, I want to read uh, Colossians over you, a few verses. I hope this encourages you. Paul said to their church, put on then as God's chosen ones, as his holy and beloved ones, put on compassionate hearts, put on kindness, put on humility, put on meekness, put on patience, bear with one another If one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, you must forgive. Above all these, put on love, which binds everything together 
and perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, with thankfulness in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether it's in word, whether it's in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Lord Jesus, my prayer for our church, they would reflect on the state of their heart. Reflect, Lord, on the submission that you're calling them to. Reflect, Lord, on their need to be open and honest before you in prayer. Reflect, Lord, on the ways that you've given them opportunities to love, and they are loving, and they can continue in that love. Reveal to them, Lord, how the love that we have for you and for each other is the harmony of the church. It's the unity that we share. Because in many things we can be, in many things, Lord, we can be divided, but in our love of you, we're united in this. Jesus came to die for us. And we celebrate that, Lord, that you've set us free from that sin. You've been raised up to new life, and you've raised us up to be new creations. Lord, bring people tomorrow night to the church to pray. Bring people into a call for repentance and submission. Call people, Lord, into a humble posture, a posture of patience. Bring us back to you, Lord. We love you. We want to thank you for this morning, the chance to talk to you and to celebrate you, and to open ourselves before you. I hope, Lord, that you are glorified, that you are made proud, Lord, by the love of your church, because we do love you, and we love each other. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week.